What's going on, everybody? This is Hunter, and welcome to this new podcast we've created called The Pack Chat. In this, you're going to have a bunch of what we feel like lifelong friends just shooting on all kinds of stuff. We're going to talk sports. We're going to talk real life. We're going to talk a little, maybe even some fantasy and some MLB this show. We're just going to have a good time with all this stuff. And uh, today, we're going to start out here. Let's introduce who this team's made up of. The first we got here in from Monticello, Florida, we've got Tyler Jackson. How you doing, man? Uh, we're doing good. We're doing good. It's good to have you. So you'll hear us. His first name's Tyler. You're going to hear us refer to him as Jackson because we have a few Tylers here in our group. And then all the way down there where the oranges are growing, we have a man named Justin Balky. Are you there? I'm here. I'm here. How you guys doing? It is good, man. It's good to finally do this, finally get this thing going. We have a fourth member of our uh, pack chat, Tyler Yao. You'll hear his name be referred to just simply as Yao and have a little MIA on him today, but uh, we're hoping to get him on and get him going here in the future as well. But uh, our full intention is just for you guys to hear our conversations, hear what we have going on, hear our thoughts at the same time. And we always love feedback. We want to make this fun and bring as many people in as we can. Just a simple podcast with some best friends just having a good time here. So what we want to do in our first initial, this is this is day one, guys. Let's start off talking about this 2020 NFL draft that just ended. And my first question is going to be, I'll start with you, Balky. What's your initial thoughts on this draft? I actually enjoy the quote-unquote quarantine draft. I thought it was cool seeing the players with their families and not hugging up on Roger Goodell and seeing the man cave that Roger Goodell has. Yeah, when he slid into that easy chair, I was just like, this is literally what this guy does. He's making millions of dollars just sitting in an old ragged brown chair and watch the Cowboys every single Sunday. That's how I felt. My favorite part was when he switched outfits halfway through. This man put on a damn sweater. (laughs) Sitting there like it's Christmas Eve. He's nestled up wrapping presents, but he's making million-dollar pick after million-dollar pick. That's Tell them the Christmas story over the fireplace. I'm telling you. Nice hat goes. Jack, how'd you feel about this draft? I, 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 I'm like bulky. I enjoyed it. Uh, I really think that's going to be the new norm kind of coming up in, you know, in the future. It's probably going to be more people going to be hanging out at home. I think. I think the players aren't going to travel to New York or wherever it's going to be. I think. I think uh, I liked it. Yeah, I can see next year, especially with COVID still going around, I can see it's going to be a split. I think they're going to bring only about 10 to 15 people uh, to next year's draft, and the rest of the guys will have to stay at home. And I don't think they'll have as big of a crowd or maybe not have a crowd at all. But uh, I like what they did with it. I give props to Trey Wingo. I think he did a fantastic job. Um, But at the same time, man, we're – it was a good, you know, just escape from what's going on. No, you're absolutely right. It was a good escape, and it was glad to have a little bit of sports. I mean, right before our, our podcast, I was watching the MLB The Show uh, show on the MLB Network about the MLB oh, players yeah. playing the game. Yeah. So um, I'm feeding for some baseball. Yeah, I'm ready to get it, too. Let's uh, – Let's hit some things on this draft, and we'll talk about uh, something that 
these podcast listeners are going to learn real quick about these Jacksonville Jaguars and our group. But uh, tell me, I'll start with you, Jack. Who was your favorite pick of the draft of any team of any round? Who was your favorite pick? Period. Uh, I really think it's Clyde Edwards either. What I makes mean, you? What makes you pick him? I mean, I don't just him being the first running back taken is, and I mean, nobody really predicted that. And him to go to the Chiefs, I mean, you couldn't. That couldn't be a better pick for him for the Chiefs. I mean, that's that is the Chiefs. Bread and butter, and he is he is the mold. If Andy Reid could create a running back for that system, it's him. Yeah, I agree. Who you like, Balky? I thought the Bucks did a great job trading up one spot to get Tristan Wirfs. I mean, on paper, how do you not give the Bucks the NFC title? They have the goat and quarterback, um, one of the best, one of the best tight ends in the league, in Gronk, who's fresh, who hasn't played in a year. They're building the best offensive line. They have weapon after weapon at receiver. I mean, what what else are you looking for? And that defense is young and good too. So, I think the Bucks did a great job. How this is how I see it going for the for Tampa Bay this year. So you know they've added the two playoff teams, which even though they did that, it still doesn't give Jaguars hope. But we'll talk about that later. Um, what I really feel though is that the Bucks go seven and nine or eight and eight. I, I feel like they're going to be so overhyped that either injuries or pressure will get to them because you got to realize this is Tom's first time away. The Saints have built themselves up to give one last run with Drew Brees, and that's going to be their number one. I mean, th- those teams are going to go back and forth this year, and uh, their two games they got to play against each other. And honestly – you don't know what the Falcons are going to do because the Falcons were really injured last year and their defense was absolute garbage, but they're going to get better. Um, I mean, they've got Gurley now. They've got Matty Ice still probably in his last couple years. And those wide receivers, they've got some talent. So uh, don't go – don't punch Tampa Bay's ticket there. I think they're going to have to, to fight a little bit for what they get, but I agree. Tristan Wars was a great pick. Yeah, we could see three teams out of that division for, like, the first time ever. I know. Are you, you trying to bring Carolina back into this or what? No, 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 no. I said okay. three, I, was, I was talking about Falcons. Do you Saints. think the Saints signing Jameis is trying to get into their head a little bit, uh, understanding the Buccaneers playbook so they can uh, get a leg up on them? I think, you know, you could. I, but I don't know. I think Tom Brady's going to run, run, run the show over there. I yeah, too. I think I, you're right. I've never seen Tom Brady crack under pressure. So, uh-uh. I mean, he's 41 years old. So, I mean, I got to – they got to be my preliminary favorite on April 26th. Yeah. yeah. I like I like that pick. Um, I'm going to tell you all who I thought I was going to pick all the way up until the guy I give you all. Uh, I was looking all the way down, and Patrick Queen, the uh, the linebacker that the Ravens drafted at the bottom of the first round. I I, choose, I said that the Ravens had the best overall draft with the players they selected. And Patrick Queen's going to be a stud linebacker. I, I really feel that Patrick Queen is going to be uh, is going to be that next linebacker that you look at for a long time. Who is the guy from Ole Miss that the 49ers took? Uh, about like. Eight, nine, ten years ago. Who was that stud uh, linebacker? Uh, the guy who just retired? 
Um, Patrick Willis. Yeah, Patrick Willis. I feel like he is going to be a mold of Patrick Willis, like for for the future. He's not Keekly. I mean, he's not those guys. I, I feel like he's just going to be that thumper, good linebacker. But I'm not said I wasn't going to pick him because my pick is going to be Javon Kinlaw for the 49ers, and I was really hoping Jacksonville would end up getting him with the 20th pick. That was my that was my plan. We were my idea was we were gonna take Jerry Judy and Javon Kinlaw. We'd have a stud wide receiver and we'd have a stud defensive tackle. And the fact that, you know, the 49ers traded that pick, traded DeForest Buckner away, got somebody younger and somebody hungry. And now that I've watched tape on him and I watched him in, when they played Alabama this past year, the dude's an absolute freak and I think he's gonna be one of the next studs. No, I think you're absolutely right. The Ravens killed it, I think, also. Yeah, the Ravens, I mean, if, if they didn't have the best draft of the 30 teams, 32 teams, they had to have one or two or number three because, I mean, every time you saw their name on the clock, it's, man, that's a good pick. Man, that's a steal. How did they get that guy? So you're absolutely Thanks. right with with the Ravens and the 49ers with Ken Law. I mean, I remember on the draft day that Ken Law said during his interviews he wanted to go to San Francisco. So when you get a young guy who's hungry and wants to be there, man, the sky's the limit for him. No, I agree with you. Uh, the they traded up that them being the Ravens traded up in the sixth round. I don't even think they had any picks left, and they got this Prochet guy from SMU who stayed on the board. And ever all the analysts were saying like he's the Antonio Brown of this draft. He had all the talent in the world, and people just kept passing him up. He was one of the last receivers drafted altogether. They said James Prochet is going to be an absolute stud in the NFL, and guess what? The Ravens got him. And it, it just goes to show that I think this is going to be Baltimore's year. I mean, getting Calais, adding to that defense, um, I don't know, man. I just like the Ravens. It's going to be fun to watch with that AFC between the Ravens and the Chiefs. I mean, if yeah, both teams I, are healthy, healthy, they, they may go back shoot, and yeah. forth for a while, and, and we may be looking at the the Brady versus uh, Peyton for the next couple of years in the AFC Championship game. Yeah. All right. So let's jump on. Who is your least? I'll start with you. Uh, Balky on this one as well. Um, who is your least favorite pick in the first round? So who is your least favorite pick by any team? In the first round, I'd probably have to go with A.J. Terrell. I mean, when you watch the film on this guy, he doesn't look like a, a number 16 pick. And in the Falcons, they had a lot of needs. And I think they reached really, really early to get A.J. Terrell. I mean, they could have grabbed who the Jazz grabbed in Chastain there. And they need edge rushers. They've lost a whole bunch of guys this offseason. So, I think you would have got that and got a safer pick. No, so uh, ESPN graded the A.J. Terrell pick an 83 overall grade. Um, that was the second lowest in the first round uh, of, of overall grades. Jack, who do who you not like the most? Um, I mean, I could go with the very uh, obvious pick of Jordan Love, but – I think probably Jalen Rigor with how deep this receiver class is mm-hmm. and them kind of putting a reach. I don't know. I just didn't – when there was much better, like Justin Jefferson who went to pick right afterwards and 
the guy from Arizona State, Brandon Ayuk. Ayuk. Yeah. Him, and they kind of – I don't know. They, I, I feel like Jalen Rieger is kind of that prototypical eagle that they've gotten in the past years that has just – has just – hasn't produced. Yeah. Let me uh, – I'll go with – I'll roll with you guys with some of the worst graded picks of the first round, okay? So you had the – give me just a second here. Yet to figure out how to work a MacBook, so I'm working through this. Okay, so you've got the Vikings with Jeff Gladney, the corner from TCU, and they gave him an 85 grade. You had the Dolphins with Noah Igbenogany with a 79 overall grade. You had the Titans with Isaiah Wilson. They actually gave him an 87 grade uh, for that pick, but in my opinion, I I don't think he's going to turn out to be anything. Um, but we'll we'll have to see how that works out. The worst graded player in the first round was the Seattle Seahawks taking Jordan Brooks, the linebacker from uh, Texas Tech, and they gave him a 70 grade. I look into that. I look at that pick, and I how do the Seahawks always find a way to do it? They've got they've turned Bobby Wagner into who he is. You know they had the Legion of Boom with some of those guys drafted in the fifth round. And, you know. I just think that the Seahawks know what they're doing, so I'm not I'm not gonna say anything. Uh, I'm not gonna say anything bad about that. So this one's gonna shock a bunch of people, but I think the worst pick of the first round is gonna be Henry Ruggs to the Raiders. And what? Okay, you got to hear me out here. Okay. So the Raiders' idea on this were to was to match. They wanted their own Tyreek Hill to match in the AFC West. They basically, as you saw, all those receivers they took. Well, that plays back into it. You know, they've all those receivers they took and the talent they're trying to stack up. You know, if you go to the Chiefs roster and you look at Tyreek Hill, if it's not Sammy Watkins or D. Rob or Kelsey. I mean, Tyreek Hill's a clear number one, but whenever you head out there now to to Las Vegas and you look, you know, Josh Jacobs, they're going to put him in the passing game right now. Darren Waller's an emerging target. you got Tyra Williams that will come back. And a couple of these rookies they've drafted, I honestly think Ruggs could be a bust because he went there. I believe that if he would have went to the Eagles or the Vikings, that was my idea for him, that he would be in better shape. But – I don't know. I just don't know if, if Las Vegas might ruin him. Is it because you don't believe in Carr? It could be, but do. you know, you yeah. know, next year. Uh, I mean, y'all, y'all both know next year that the quarterback crop's going to be a little bit different. There's not a lot of teams going to be needing a quarterback, so I believe either free agency um, or in the draft next year, the Raiders are going to get them a new quarterback. If they don't get Lawrence, I mean, if you realistically think about free agents, it's going to be Jameis and who else? I mean, everybody else signed either 40 years old or signed long-term deals. I think the Raiders are in a tough position if the car doesn't work out and they don't absolutely tank this year. Well, you got Cam still on the board right now, and I don't know if Cam fits as, as a Raider, but you never know. Cam will get picked up this year, but I'm a – I'm going to get into that here in just a second. Um, out of all these rookies, 
I'll start with you, Jack. Who, what player would you target for your fantasy team in this year's draft? What, like, who would you, who do you immediately have to have? Mm, I mean, Burrow, because they're going to suck and they're going to be down. But, uh, I mean, that's with the deep quarterback. That Quarterbacks really don't even matter too much anymore in fantasy. But I probably, I mean, C.D. Lamb's probably the most obvious. I mean, with him being opposite of Cooper, I mean. And Gallup. And Gallup. I mean, they, there's no, there's, they have no more excuses anymore. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. Dak has no more excuses. He wants to get paid. And he's going to get paid like the big boys. Now he's got two stud receivers, and Gallup is worthy of a number two uh, on any team. I mean, there's and with Zeke in the backfield, there's no excuse. I, I, the only thing that worries me about CD is because it'll be so spread out in that offense. He won't be the number one target, but I think we have the most success along with his teammate. Yeah. He should. Uh, who are you looking at, Balky? I was going to pick C.D. Lamb, but just to be a little bit different, we go down to the second round. I think T. Higgins may, may be a, yeah. a sleeper guy. That was my I hope. mean, with, with Joe Burrow there, who's new, with A.J. Green, who's the big name, and you got John Ross blowing the top off of it, T. Higgins may be that guy that gets seven, eight catches a game that can get five, six touchdowns. I think he'd be a good, good wide receiver three. Mm-hmm. Or even a flex position guy in a deeper league. Plus, he's a rookie, so if you're playing Dynasty, I mean, grab him and see what happens. Yeah. Um, I look and I'm sitting here rolling through everything, you know, and looking at all these picks. I'm avoiding the first-round picks as well. I believe that we are watching a monster be created in the Indianapolis Colts in the next two or three years. They're going to continue to – Take the Jag, even though the Jags are up on them right now. In the past few series, we have the we have the upper hand. Um, I am in full belief that the Colts are doing a great job. They got Jonathan Taylor now, got a couple weapons, but Michael Pittman Jr. is uh, my pick, and I would draft him high this year. Uh, Philip Rivers, you got to think about it. He's big on dumping the ball off to the tight ends. I mean, that's what Hunter Henry was so effective. Antonio Gates was so effective. But what about the tight end made them so effective? Like, wow, what could they do? And it's simply because the routes they run for their size. Well, Michael Pittman is a 6'5 receiver, 225 pounds that can win the jump ball, and he doesn't have to run deep. If you watch him at USC, he breaks off a little bit, but he'll always come right back, and he'll he'll get those 8 to 10 to 12-yard catches consistently. And I think this year it'll work with Phillip Rivers. Then let's trade over. Let's say Jacob Eason steps up and becomes Jacob Eason. Everybody thinks he will. Jacob Eason can sling the ball. Then Michael Pittman develops himself in year two or three where he's a down-the-field threat because clearly T.Y. would be going by then, which is their down-the-field threat. Now you step up, enter Michael Pittman. I think this dude's going to be an absolute stud, and I hate that we missed out on him. No, you're right. And unfortunately he wasn't there, and I don't think he had a first-round grade on him. So I don't think going to the 20 pick to get Michael Pittman would have been a – little bit of a stretch um it hurts that we have to play him twice a year 
he is a big dude, and that's that's the scary part about it. He's not going to blow the top off you, but those 50-50 balls turn into 75-25 balls real quick with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's transition, transition over to our uh, – what everybody's going to come to learn here. We are all diehard Jaguar fans. Don't know how this even happened this way. Just four guys that met up and was living in a college dorm. And uh, – Somehow we all found out that we like. Uh, besides, we're transitioning bulky, but we like WWE wrestling, Braves baseball, and Jacksonville Jaguar football. It was just a, uh, it was an absolute shocker that we all came together like this. So we have watched the Jags suffer. Besides 2017, Miles Jack wasn't down. Um, we know we just worked through this. So I want to start this one off. Um, so I'm going to ask you guys who is your favorite pick that the Jags took. And I was going to go with the defensive tackle, so I'm not going to snatch one from y'all, so I am going to snatch his from you. I'm going to go with Visca Chenault Jr. Here's here's my true reasoning, though. Something's going to happen to one of our receivers this year. I'm talking back half of the year. And it's either going to be D.D. Um, I don't think it's going to be D.J., but I think it's going to be D.D., Maybe Conley. Uh, somebody's going to go down or slump, and they're going to throw Chenault in there, and he's going to catch a big-time touchdown pass, and it's just kind of going to be like his rebirth and inner Jacksonville type deal. I think he's got a ton of talent. I did hear he was injury-prone. I kind of was hoping we took anybody but him, but now that he's a Jag, I'm excited about him. No, I think it was a great pick, and right. he's the biggest playmaker on the board when we had that opportunity, so. Well, that's what there's nothing we you can do. Yeah, there's nothing you can do. Uh, hopefully, he's he's that guy that's going to be our everything, and the offense is going to run around him. If he just stays, yeah. So we just need somebody to stay. Yeah. And then I'll go next. Yeah, I'll go next with a guy who I hope is going to stay for a long time because he's a Jacksonville boy, and I love the Shaq Quarterman pick. Oh yeah. Man, I'm a Florida. I'm a Florida State fan, so I saw this guy for for quite a few games, and. Man, he tore us up every time we played him. This man being a linebacker is all over the field. And from everything I'm reading, we're flipping from a 4-3 to a 3-4. So we need that extra linebacker in there. And I think Shaq's going to be a plug-and-play guy. And I think he's going to be happy to be home and happy to be around his family and friends. So hopefully we have him for a long time and he becomes our new Paul Pazlesny. Do you feel – I'm, I'm going to take that Paul Pazlesny name from you and I'm going to replace it with this name. Is he our new Telvin Smith? No, because he's bigger. He's bigger. He's not going to fly around as much as Telvin did. He's not going to cover as much as Telvin did. But he's going to be that run stuffer. He's going to be that that vocal leader and that guy that's going to he's going to have me no nonsense. He's going to be give me one hundred and ten percent to get off the field, guy. This is how I feel about that pick, and I'm going to get to you, Jack, next right after this. But I think three years ago, the Jaguars wanted Denzel Perryman more than anything to come to Jacksonville and be, a, and be a Florida guy, being a stud linebacker for us. And we missed out on him. We didn't take him when we could have. And I think that Jacksonville saw Shaq Quarterman, saw the potential, knew he was from Jacksonville, went ahead and took that shot. So uh, I'm really glad, and I love that idea. Jack, I mean, t- who do you like the most? I mean, it has to be Trayvon Jason. I mean – to pair him and Josh Allen, Josh Allen on the other side, oh, scary! It is scary. They're I'm fast. 
I mean, that's what you need. Fast edge rushers. Like we're rebuilding the defensive line since, you know, Ngakwe's going to get traded here. You know, he won't be here. Yeah. Darius is gone. I mean, how can you that's, – that was probably my favorite. We're rebuilding the line. We got to rebuild it from the ground up, so. Yeah, I uh, I definitely, definitely agree with you on that, and I like it. Um, I'll start here with you. I also want to throw an honorary shout-out to Colin Johnson. I think that guy's going to be oh, a diamond in the rough kind of guy, yeah. too. See, I'm I mean, starting to like our like draft six, class. Yeah, the guy's 6'6". Six, six. He was a he was a top-round talent coming out of last year, and he just got the injury bug. To grab him and what do we get him in the fifth round or sixth round? I mean, that's going to be – I think that could be a – that could be a game changer. I think that could be a, a Keelan Cole guy, but a way more consistent Keelan Cole guy that's going to be on the field 25, 30 snaps a game as a rookie. I, mean, I think yeah. he's a stud. I think he's a stub in the waiting. Yeah. Yeah. That's all we got to do. <laughs> um, so let's see. Balky, who is your least favorite pick by the Jags? I wouldn't say least favorite, but the one I don't understand would be Jake Lutton out of Oregon State. I think we found a little bit of fascination of these six-round QBs out west <laughs> with the hit on Garner Minshew. But as of right now where it stands, I mean, our QB room's got Garner Minshew in his second year, uh, Josh Dobbs, who's played, what, zero snaps in his NFL career, and yeah. Jake Lutton, who's played zero snaps in his NFL career. How do you expect Gardner Minshew to grow off of that? I mean, I would have rather spent that QB room to be – an Andy Dalton are a year, or a, heck, I don't care, a, a McCown or somebody like a McCown or somebody like a bring back Cody Kessler who's got a little bit of experience just to teach these guys this is how being in the NFL is like. Because one of the most experienced guys in that room is a 23-year-old jort-wearing boy. That concerns me a little bit. The thing, though, man, is that I think they're hanging, they're hanging Gardner out to dry. Because they want Trevor Lawrence next year, and if we can secure a top five pick, I think that we get him. Um, uh, it's either gonna, it's come down to us for the Redskins next year of who who can actually land him. Because um, I don't think Dwayne Haskins turns out to be anything. But uh, I, they're not they're not helping Gardner out, like you said. The mentorship that they gave Gardner Min- Gardner Minshew was Jay Gruden. That's who they gave. That is who his mentor is. You're right, and as much I don't want us to hang him out to dry. I'm tired of us rebuilding, but I get it. Uh, but putting on your eggs in the Lawrence basket is kind of tough because, and I may be wrong, but I don't think that QB class next year is anything like it was this year. So if we wanted to quote-unquote suck, this has been a year to suck. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, Jack, who did you what, – what pick did we make that just blew your mind? Uh, I don't have that information, and we made it just. How you doing, Siri? <laughs> I mean, I I was fairly pleased with. I mean, at the time, I just think I just don't like any of our picks. But as they go on, they grow on me. Only thing I don't Ben Barch. After doing at first, I was like, huh? Yeah, I didn't know much about him. He was a tight end a few years ago, so I was like, oh, what are we getting ourselves into? But. I mean, after looking at him and doing a little bit of research, he's actually, as a developmental tackle, he's actually had a pretty good grade on him. I mean, for being a Division Three player, 
He was ranked as the fourth best offensive team. And we are back. Um, let's jump and uh, continue this Jags conversation that we have going on here. Uh, we have an undrafted free agent that we picked up, uh, J.R. Reed from Georgia. Uh, Jackson, you watch some Georgia football. Tell me about J.R. Reed and why he can make an impact on our team. I mean, I have watched a lot of Georgia football, being an Auburn Tiger. But uh, J.R. Reed, it's, it's, a, it's a good sign for us. To, I'm kind of surprised he didn't get drafted in the sixth or seventh round. But, I mean – Playing safety, I mean that that defense that Kirby is always he's got it he's got his hands on that defense and he's produced a lot of talent. So, I mean, he was a Jim Thorpe Award finalist, so semifinalist. So, I mean, he's there. He's he had a foot injury that kind of kept him out of the last game, but. If he stays healthy, I think he'll make the team, and I think he's going to stick with the Jags for a couple of years. So what's his – I agree. I think he's a good what's player. His story? Because his big knock on him is he's 25 years old. There's not many 25 years I, Well, he was a Juco that. player from my knowledge. I read a little bit about him today because he, he originally went to Tulsa and then transferred out of Tulsa to Georgia. Um, I don't know if he's just an older kid or had troubles in high school and graduated late, but – yeah, you don't see many 25-year-old rookies. Yeah. Um, especially if you're getting drafted, with the exception of maybe one I can think of is Hayden Hurst. Yeah, let's see. His stats on him were 42 consecutive starts with 199 tackles, five picks, and three fumble recoveries. Uh, the foot injury scared a lot of teams off. And I think that was kind of see a big here. selling point in this draft because you saw a bunch of – Players that had injury, that you know had a history of injuries, and they kind of slid a, a ways down just because nobody's able to do you know in team meetings or you know get checked out by the team doctors. I mean, I think two of the you know only one that got checked out by so many doctors. But that's because he had all the hype. But you got these fifth, sixth, seventh round guys that would have got taken in those rounds if the pandemic wouldn't have probably been here. So I think as a steal, we kind of – he flew under the radar because of his injury, and we kind of – we we signed him. So his one knock is that he can't play center field on the deep ball. They said he cannot keep up with uh, somebody that's in front of him for 10 yards. They said they all he always lets them get past. So that would be my my idea of what the Jazz coaching staff does with him on day one is work on his agility and work on his pass coverage instead. I, I feel like he can help us out in the run game, but that's what Ronnie Harrison's job is. So I feel like he could come in and compete for a spot. He could probably knock a roster spot from Andrew Wingard or a couple guys like that. So um, really interesting, you know, you know, really interesting undrafted free agent signing. I'm excited about him. But here's what I'm not excited about. Balky, I'm going to ask you, what are we going to do with Leonard Fournette? Does he start the season as a Jag? I think he does because I don't think there's any – And I, to be honest with you, I think Yannick and Rockway is the same way. I don't think anybody wants to touch these guys at the 10-foot pole. Um, they're, and they're yeah. definitely not going to give us something for him. I'm not so much worried about Fournette. I think Fournette's got stuff to prove and things to prove, and he's going to sit there and play and play hard. Um the Khan family and, and the management came out and said, hey, look, 
no hard feelings. Like, we're just doing a business. We put your name out there. I think Fournette's been mature enough to sit there and look at it as a business and move on without that and work with that. Do I think Fournette's here after this year? Absolutely not. I think he's gone. But I think he's going to play out because this is his contract year. Yeah. I see the Jags. If Minch, best case scenario, Minshew works out for us and we're able to take a running back next year or or a stud offensive lineman. Um, that's best case scenario. Like I said, Uncle Tom was a six-round pick, so let's see if Minshew Magic has got something to him. Um, Jack, what do you think about Fournette? Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reverse this around. Would you want Fournette on your team? Uh, right now, yes. And just because who else we got playing behind him. But, I mean, if you give me anybody to trade with, then, yeah, I could probably pick somebody over him. But right now, yes. I, I, cause I Like Balky said, I think he's got I think he's got something to prove. I mean, he's is his contract year, so he's going to – he's going to play. He can't. He can't not not play. So yeah, I, th- I, I think he I think he plays to get himself that leverage for a big contract deal, and Jacksonville may give it to him. You know, it's made to be a bunch of smoke in the wind. I do agree though with Yannick. I'm good with getting rid of him, especially after drafting uh, Chase on, and just let we know we're not going to be good anyway. Don't show up. Make a scene. Go ahead and ruin yourself and go into free agency because that big contract that you're wanting to get when you don't play for a year ain't coming. Because guess what? Jadavion Clowney ain't signed either. There's a couple really good pass rushers. Trust me, he's not better than them. He's equal to them. He's just had some really good plays for Jacksonville. So it's a good idea. I'm going to flip it over to you, Jack. Should the Jaguars and will the Jaguars sign Cam Newton? Uh, sure. Should they? Yeah. Probably. Depending on the price, but a one-year deal, it can't hurt. Are they? No, I don't think they are. I, I don't – I think we're rolling with Minshew. It's – I don't I don't think we're going to even pull the string on that. I, I really don't. Uh, I really think Denver – or New England looks like a better landing spot for Cam. I just don't. I just don't see the Jags right now. I don't see him doing it. I agree. I think. I think what happens with Cam Newton is he is a free agent until the first week or two of the season, and somebody gets hurt and they bring him in. Um, I could. I could totally see that happening. What do you think, Balky? Uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't see a reason why we'd bring him in. I don't even think we should bring him in. I think uh, we worked so hard on putting these good character guys on this team and getting rid of the prima donnas. I think we'd be doing herself a disservice to get a prima donna, especially a prima donna that we don't want to start. Uh, Cam wants to sit there and prove himself, and Cam wants to sit there and show he's still got it. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's only 31 years old, 32 years old, so he's still probably got a little left in the tank. Thirty-one. Thirty-one. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw odds. I saw we were second on the odds list at like plus three hundred to get Cam Newton. Uh, the Patriots being first, 
One that they brought up to me that kind of shocked me was the Steelers. And it kind of makes sense to the Steelers. I mean, you got Big Ben, who's probably on his last leg, and Mason Rudolph, who can't stand a game because he seems to get hurt every time. Cam, yeah. could be, Cam could be a reliable backup there, and I think Cam could put Ben Roethlisberger on run for his money. I just don't see us bringing in a big name to put on the bench who, if you ask the common fan, nine times out of ten, they're going to say Cam is better than Gardner Minshew. And that's just not the direction we want to go. The, Knicks, the Nick Foles experiment didn't work. No reason to do the same thing over again. Yeah. Yeah, that, was, that, that hurt us. But uh, let me tell you all something, though, is that though it hurt us, that extra fourth-round pick that we got was super beneficial. So we may have lost some money out on that deal, but I think that either Shaq Quarterman, Josiah Scott, one of those guys pays off for foals in the end. So I like that. Um, what I want to do now, let's transition over to baseball, what we crave and miss the most. Um, let's start out with you, Jack. Just give me a date. When does the MLB season start? Give me a day. Start, not not when they report. First opening day. First, when is opening day? Uh, August third. Okay, I'm saying August. that's fair. What about you, Balky? What do you think? All right, picture this, guys. You wake up. It's July fourth morning. You wake up, get your little hot dog, get your little beer. You turn on the game at 4.05, and it's opening day of baseball. How much more patriotic would be a July 4th opening day? You have all the no, games I, kick off at 4.05. Like all the games kick off at 4.05. They finish, fireworks everywhere. I think that's a good way to symbolize, hey, we're over, we're done with. It's a new year for the country. It's a new year for us. It's a new year for baseball. Let's get this behind it. Let's roll. I like it. I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic here. I'm going to say that baseball starts – uh, I'm going to say that we survived the month of May and it starts the first weekend of June, but there is zero fans in the stands. There's there's not a single fan in the stands, I think. And I don't know how long that, that may last, but I think that the country gets opened back up for majority of places next month, and the MLB's got to start bringing in profit because they're having to pay for a lot of – a lot of things right now, a lot of these minor league teams, and I think that's that's really what happens. Now, let me tell you all what's going to hurt, though. Your minor leagues not having fans in the stands, I almost could see them canceling a minor league season altogether. And what the MLB teams do is their top prospects go ahead and open them up. So here's my theory. Here, Here's something fun. Let me get y'all's opinion on this. I believe a good idea for the MLB would be to to do that season to expand the rosters to 40. So you got a 40-man roster for the entire season. You have an automatic DH for both leagues. So you get a 40-man roster, an automatic DH for both leagues. And when it comes to extra inning games, they should play some doubleheader games on each days. So when it comes to extra or extra innings, the Texas uh, – Texas tiebreaker rule has to come into effect. What do y'all think about those those things? I don't hate it. Um, to be completely honest with you, I probably don't hate ending in a tie. If you go 10 innings, I mean, you got to save arms because I think they're trying to get as many games in as you can. Yeah, I'm fine. I like the 40-man 40, the 40 roster idea the full year. Um, I'm indifferent on the DH. 
Just, just end ties. We don't need these 15, 16 inning games anymore. There's a, there's going to be 100 games this year. The ties aren't really going to matter. It's not the NFL. They don't play 16. Yeah. No. I mean, they're going to have to do something. And it's time to get creative. Baseball's always had the problem with, you know, changing stuff up and getting creative. And, you know, they don't do it all in the minor leagues, but then it never – all the old timers don't want it to transition to the game because they're killing baseball. But I think they're now's the time to get creative because they're going to have to do something. I mean, there's no way that Minnesota can play games in November and December. I mean, there's 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 no way. I mean, yeah. So shorten the season, play seven inning double double headers. Who knows? I mean, Texas tie tiebreaker. That's probably very likely. I like the forty man. Um, the The big thing is going to be the minor league system. How how that's going to be affected? Because if if baseball does start with no fans, the minor that's that's what the minor league feeds off. That's their income. So yep. it'll be tough. But I'm just ready for. It. And I already, I, yeah, I did hear too. They are shrinking the minor league system down from seven leagues to four. So instead of having like high A, low A, whatever this ever, it's just rookie A, double, triple, and then hit the show. So, yeah, that means I'm going to get me some Wonder Franco quicker than I want it. <laughs> so won't be able to this, may be a, this may be a step in that direction. This may be an easier transition than they thought. I said, all right, 40 man, you're in the big leagues. Everybody else – Triple A, double A, don't worry about the high A, don't worry about the low A, don't worry about rookie ball. You're going to fill in in triple A and double A, and we'll go from there. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Let's have a little fun with this, Balky. You pick first. Let's say we have a shortened season. Let's go off what you said. Let's say July 4th is the start time, and it runs through, say, July to October. Let's just say that. What team wins the World Series this year? I'm going with – I got to go with the Yankees, man. They, they just so, got in a better. short season. Yeah. They got better. They got those bombers who can get hot and rattle off. And with a short season, if you get hot for three weeks, I mean, that's, that's a quarter of the season right there. When you get between Judge and Stanton – and Stanton doesn't have to play all that many games anymore. He doesn't play 162. They're not going to play 162. Less chance of him getting injured. They just got too much firepower there for them not to sit there and score runs. And then when they have Cole pitching, they have Tanaka pitching, they're going to have Severino back this year. And then when you get to the pin, you still got Chapman. It's, to me, it's just too hard to stop. No, I agree. Dak, who you got? Well, I mean, I was going to say Yankees too. I mean, for the same reasons that Balky's had, but I'll be different and – you know, I I think I might have to go with the Dodgers because you give them more than seven games and they always screw it up. So maybe if you condense the season a little bit, they're not playing in uh not playing well into October. Maybe they can uh, find some magic and finally get over the hump. Yeah. Y'all know this is the perfect this is the perfect scenario for a Tampa Bay Rays or a Oakland Athletics or actually the Phillies or the Braves 
it's a perfect season for these teams to win it because they are teams who get hot for short periods of time. But if your season is shortened and you've got a lot of depth on your team, which these teams do, besides the Phillies, their depth, they're not that deep. Um, the A's, even the Astros still, they can pull it out. Um, I think it would be cool, but it, you know, if the, it, I think the Braves could actually win it this year, but even if they won it, with it being a short season, like, would it mean as much to you if they won it this year? I think it would mean more. But I would, I would say yeah. I would, yeah, I would say yes. Go ahead, Jack. Yeah, I think it would mean more with everything that we've been through as a country. I don't, I don't think there's no way that you can tell me it doesn't mean less by what we have all gone through. I mean, it's everybody. It's not just the, you know, major figures. It's every working class family that's going through these troubles by not being able to work or whatever it may be, have, getting laid off. I mean, I, I think it will mean more. Yeah. And I agree. Yeah, I agree with you. If you think about it from the player sense, even if it doesn't mean more to them in November when they win, if they look back five, ten years down the line, think about that grind they went through. They probably played 100 days straight, or they probably played 98 out of 100 days just to get there and get through that grind. And like you said, it's it's chaos. It's chaos for everybody in America. They look back and said, we, quote, unquote, beat chaos. That's pretty cool. And that's going to mean a lot to those players, if nothing else. Yeah. I think it's going to be a lot to the fan base, too, because they're going to have to be something to happy about. Because like, like you said, Jack, there are going to be families that where their mom and dad don't have jobs mm-hmm. anymore. But they can still go turn the game on at 7.05 and see that Braves game or see that, that Nationals game and have a little bit of normalcy in their yeah. life. I like that. Uh, let me ask you all this, then. I'll go with you, Balky, first. Who is going to be the best player in fantasy baseball this year in a shortened season, who do you have to have? That's a good question. I haven't really thought about all that that much. Um, I think it all depends on where they play. If, if they play somewhere, because there's been a lot of different theories out there where they play in, in Florida or they play in Arizona. In Florida, Arizona, Texas, teams are placed with the Domes. If that's the case, I think I got to pick a, a player from one of those teams because they're going to be the most normal. Um, if I'm a player, I don't want to sit there and live in a hotel for 100 days. I think it's going to wear and tear my body more than most people do. But if I'm a Tampa Bay Ray or if I'm a Marlin, and unfortunately they don't have any studs in the team, well, they get to go home every day. So they're going to be more fresh, and I think they're going to tear more often. Uh, I don't have a player for you, but I think it's going to be a, one of those teams where they get to play more home games than maybe the other team does. All right. What do you think, Jack? I think I have to go with my my fellow Brave and Acuna. I mean, he, he's just – he's a five-tool player that – and I, I think in a shortened season where he's not exactly – even though he's younger and can – has that stamina, I think with being a shortened season – He's just gonna if he when he gets on his tears, he gets on his tears, man. I mean, so if if he his tears may last, you know, a thirty a third of the season, 
depending on how many games they play. So I'm going to go with Acuna. Yeah. That's a good pick. Actually, I want to change mine. I think Tatis is going to go on an absolute tear this year. I think I'd want to do everything I can to join him. I think these young guys, they're just hungry to play. They have no commitment to anything in life except for playing ball. So I think Acuna is a good pick. I think Tatis is a good pick. I think any of these young guys who are just in there and trying to prove themselves to be – they're on that tier of great to be elite. I think they're going to do well. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was sitting here going through a few and just trying to say who is going to absolutely dominate Something about the Phillies just keeps whispering to me, and I think it would be poetic justice that this is the year that Bryce Harper actually is worth his money. It's going to be the shortest season in history, and Bryce Harper is going to is going to dominate. I think that in a three to four month span, Bryce could probably pop twenty to twenty five homers and drive in sixty five which some people do that in an entire season, a full 162. I think this could be just the season where – because you don't see anybody talking about Bryce right now. Trout, Yelich, Acuna, some of these risers, but you haven't really heard – even Pete Alonzo has been talking more about than than Bryce Harper. So don't count him out. Don't count out a Chris Bryant either. You know, like these are them guys that just kind of have been buried a little bit that stand a chance of breaking out. You got Lindor, just a few of those guys. But um, I'll pick my guy and I'll say this could be a studly year for Bryce Harper just just in short terms. Um, let's do this then. I want to have just a little bit of fun uh, with some couple, couple questions on the outside. Uh, let's go back into football. Who is going to be – the highest-rated rookie in Madden this year. Who's it going to be? Sorry, when the game comes out? Yep, when the game comes out, who is going to be the highest-ranked rookie on the game? Uh, Burrow. I think Chase Young. So you're saying you're saying Chase Young, Balky, what's his rating going to be? I think he'll be a uh, – and I'm not a big Madden guy, but I think he'll be an 81 or 82. So, so Chase Young is an 81 or an 82. All right. Jack, what do you think Joe Burrow is going to be? I guess if Bobby said 81 or 82, I'd say 83. You say 83. Yep. All right. Here comes uh, – I, I don't think I'm going to be right on this one. I think one of you, one of you two guys is, is going to be dead on. But I'm going to do a flip of the coin. It's going to be either pick seven or eight. It's either going to be Derek Brown or Isaiah Simmons. And I think they end up giving it to Derek Brown. And they're going to give him an 80. And I think that Chase Young will be a 78. I think Joe Burrow will be a 78 or an 89. I think they'll give Derek Brown an 80. Like I said, that was a risky pick what I went with. But I don't don't know. I you got to think how Madden does it. I mean, Joe Burrow being an 81 would totally make sense. But you just kind of got to look at it and look at some of those players. But uh, I think they give Derrick Brown an 80 and make him the highest-rated uh, highest uh, rookie. I would very much like that. Hey, I trust you on that. I haven't played Madden in years. I suck at the game. I hate the game. So, you got yeah. it. I'll roll with it. All right. 
let's roll into fun topic number two here. What has been y'all's favorite program to complete in MLB The Show? Favorite program to complete. So you don't you don't have to say first or second inning. You can talk about like a player evolution or any of those things. What what was your favorite one to do? I actually enjoyed the one we just did, which is Jorge Posada. Um, I'm actually paused the game right now where I'm trying to beat the Yankees on All Star, and unfortunately I suck. I'm losing forty two in the bottom of the ninth, <laughs> but. <laughs> The Jorge Posada one was fun. Um, I'm doing the Dennis, Dennis Accuracy program, too. You can get a little monotonous. I think three of the programs, you got to pitch down innings and not give up a run, which kind of stinks. But um, the Posada one was fun. And it's fun to hit with a switch hitter and catcher. Yeah. What do you think, Jack? I'll go with the catcher as well. But uh, the Pudge one was real fun for me. I don't know, because he was kind of like the first diamond that – you're able to like work towards, so I really like doing doing that, doing the Pudge ones. And Pudge is, you know, he's great. Yeah, it was good. I'm gonna give y'all two of them, but I'm gonna tell you which one was my favorite. I love the Jackie Robinson one. I was having fun with it. Uh, I've noticed though, and I don't understand this. And if anybody ever hears this podcast as affiliated with MLB the show. Rookie is hard to hit on. I hit better on all-star than I do rookie. Just want to throw that out there because I could not get the hits that I needed to get on rookie. On all-star, I did it like my second try. But uh, Jackie Robinson's was fun. I'm almost almost done with it. But I like Bob Gibson's. It was a challenge. They, I had a couple of them where I would get to the last inning. You'd have to strike out 12 people or whatever, and I'd strike out without giving up a run or something. And I'd strike out 11, get right to the last one, and then I'd give up a home run on a pitch outside the strike zone. I'm just like, this is so stupid, but I'll do it again. Yeah, Bob Gibson's was real fun. I like the, I like the Bob, pitching ones. I, I struggled with Bob Gibson because I couldn't throw him. I couldn't throw a strike to save my life. Yeah, he's got that long wind-up. But yeah, that the Bob Gibson ones was was a good. There, there's a bunch of them. I mean, that we need to do a whole podcast just on the show, and we'll make sure we add we'll add uh, Mr. Cephas with us and let him give some good hot takes on what he thinks about it. But um, let's go into the final question here. Okay, this is a big one because the belt currently sits on my mantle, and I am in second place. Uh, Jack, I believe you're in first. Yao is in third. And Balky, you are in fourth. So who deserves to win the belt with what happened in fantasy basketball this year? Who should have the belt right now? Hey, hey, hey. They may not be done yet. They may not be done. They came out, what was it, yesterday saying that facilities are going to open up May 1st. We may have chaos here in the the pack league. Hmm. So watch out for your fear of the Spiros, but I mean, if we're gonna decide it right now on the podcast, uh, it should go to whoever is first who has the best record. Okay, Logical. I think you should go to who hasn't had the belt yet. I mean, that's I haven't had the belt yet, yet technically. I mean, damn it, I thought you had it. <laughs> nope, just this yeah. in Hunter. All right, so I know, I know this sounds cheap of me to to give my opinion on it, but. I think that I think Jackson 
should have the belt, but here is why. I don't think he should have the belt as the champion. I don't think he should have it by technicality. I think since he is the inventor and creator of the belt, that he should have the belt to hold until the end of the next fantasy season and then give it out. Because he hasn't held the belt, he did pay the initial money for it. Technically, you could do technicalities and say, oh, yeah, he's in first, he should get it. But in my honest opinion, I believe that you should at least hold the belt also as the commissioner until then. So it, I've kind of thought about boxing it up and going ahead and mailing it to you and letting you at least hold it. But if the NBA gets fired back up, then I'm not for that. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what I uncovered. Hunter, you're going to send the, the belt back to Jack. Jack, you can hold it, but you can't hang it up. You can't show yep. it off because you're holding right. it. You're not gloating it. You didn't win it. So, and whoever wins the whoever wins the next okay. one, I'll be back. interim champion. Yeah, you can be interim champion. I'll be interim champion. You can be interim cruiserweight champion. That's what yeah. you're going to be. No, no, no. Just keep it in the suitcase. Put it up top. We'll do it on the south. You can't grab it. I'll be interim two four. 24-7 champion, Eastern European I-95 champion. Uh, oh, yeah. You're going to be the Rob Gronkowski. You're going to win it. And then <laughs> yep. That'll be, uh, that's, some, that's some good topics for the future. But, uh, fellas, that's, we've had a good podcast. we got over an hour. we got to mash some, uh, mash some things together and, you know, build us a good episode. But I thoroughly enjoyed this. I'm, I'm already ready to do another one again. Um, I think pack chat's going to be a big hit with a few people, and uh, I've just enjoyed being able to spend time with some good friends and talking about some good topics. Let's do it. Me too. It was a lot of fun. I can't wait to do it again. Let's do it. Sounds good, boys. We'll try to get us a full cast on the next one, and uh, other than that, we appreciate it. We'll see everybody.